Good morning, Kettlebrook. Great to see all of you. My name is Noelle, and we up here are given the honor and the privilege uh, to help lead in some music worship here at Kettlebrook. Um, just want to welcome all of you, uh, those uh, that are members, those that are new here. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to worship our holy God, because only he is holy. thing. Um, I cannot hear this in the moment. There it is. <laughs> All right.
together to worship a holy God. Can I get an amen? We want to behold him. We want to see him in his glory. And so I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Troy and um, we here at Kettlebrook are a family of followers of Jesus, helping others follow Jesus. That's who we are. We're a family because of the father who changes our status eternally through his son, Jesus through trusting in him, we become sons and daughters eternally of God. And then we want to live out and follow Jesus in the everyday, and we want to help everyone follow Jesus as well. If you're here this morning, that's kind of who we are and what we are about. This morning, uh, I get a chance to just do two quick introductions for you as we uh, get into our gathering this morning. The first introduction is not this last Friday. The Friday before, I had an amazing opportunity to go to something called uh, Dancing for a Difference Gala. Uh, for 2021. It's, it's a fundraiser for one of our local partners, uh, Citizen Advocates. And what happens there is there's money that's raised for the organization uh, that provides advocates for those who are adults who need advocates. And so we, Kettlebrook, I don't know if we even necessarily, if, did you know that we had a dancer? Did you know that? We had a dancer and her name was, her name is Brenda Miller. And she won. She won. She won the People's Choice Award, which was she raised the most money for the organization. Here's Brenda. Can we give it up for Brenda? Praise the Lord. Brenda, we're proud of you. We love you, and we're so grateful that you're able to um, be an ambassador for Citizen Advocates. So thank you, dear. It was great to see her dance. She did great. She did a waltz. It was amazing. So um, next introduction that I have this morning is our, is our guest. We have a guest speaker. It's Dr. Pam Arland. Uh, Pam is a missionary and a Bible translator with 25 years experience. And one of her first experiences was living in the remote mountains between China and Afghanistan, sharing with Jesus to Muslims who live there. Uh, now she is training 
and sending and caring for missionaries through an organization called All Nations. She's originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and will pop in uh, there uh, as she's home and not traveling around the world. Also, when she's not traveling, she lives with her mother, who's a co-worker with her for All Nations. Now, Pam's first love is a, a, a man named Jesus, but she also happens to apparently love a Mickey Mouse and Star Trek. So um, can we give a warm Kettlebrook family welcome to Dr. Pam Arland. Well, good morning, church. I'm really happy to be here. I've had the privilege of meeting the family of God in all 50 states of the United States and about 50 different countries around the world. And I just want to say it is well with the family of God. It is well with the family of God. It doesn't matter that we've had this COVID time. God is good. He is powerful. His kingdom is advancing. And I feel very privileged that he lets me meet people like you all over the world and gather your amazing stories. And what's going to happen is that next week, I'm going to be sharing your stories with the people that I meet next week. So I want to tell you a little bit about me, if you can bring up that next slide. I say that I write books even my mother won't read. I do also write books that people do read. Uh, I do a lot of missions research, and there's a, my latest book that's come out there and so that just is hopefully going to let you know that I'm up to speed on what God is doing around the world today. If you could bring up that next slide, I do have the privilege of serving on the international leadership team for an amazing group of missionaries called All Nations. Now we're not the only amazing group of missionaries on planet earth today, praise God, that there are many, many amazing families of missionaries on earth. Uh, but what I love about our family is that only one third of our missionaries are from the United States or Europe. The other two-thirds of our missionaries are from Latin America, they're from Africa, they're from the Middle East, they're from Asia, and I am actually the only active American on our international leadership team. And that already is good news because a previous generation of missionaries did a pretty good job, that the world that we're living in now is different than the world that they lived in, and I don't need to send missionaries to Latin America, I can send missionaries from Latin America to those who've never yet had a chance to hear about Jesus. I did actually spend many years in western China, and I just want to show you one picture of it and get into a story. I'm actually just a storyteller. I don't know if you realize it, but linguists are just like, you know, super official storytellers, right? If you're super official, they'll give you a PhD in something, and, you know, you get to sound lofty. But really, you're just telling stories. So I'm a kid from Kansas City, and I know several of you here today are very concerned about Kansas City with an activity coming up later today. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I want to say if that if Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes can join together to make money for State Farm, that we can join together here today um, under the guise of Jesus Christ, right? So, so it's all good here today, right? So a kid from Kansas City grew up and moved 12 time zones away. Now, that's already a pretty weird thing to do, you know? Sometimes I talk to my mom and my dad in the day, and I said, why didn't you teach me Chinese when I was a kid? It would have saved me a lot of trouble after I grew up. And like, child, we never thought you'd grow up and move to live on the China-Afghanistan border. But God sometimes has different plans than what we thought life would be like, right? Now, we're not all called to be goers. It's very important that you realize that some people are called to be senders. But I just want to 
lead with one story today. So after I'd been in China already for seven years, and that means that by this time I can already speak three local languages, all right? So I can speak Mandarin Chinese, I can speak Uyghur, I can speak Serakul Tajik. This little language only spoken by 35,000 people that has no writing system. They belong to the one-third of the world that still says, who is Jesus? One-third of the world has said, thank you, Jesus. They're following Jesus. They're loving Jesus. One-third of the world has said, no, thank you, Jesus. They've heard the gospel and rejected the gospel. But one-third of the world still says, who is Jesus? They've never heard about him. They don't know anything about him. And I felt that that was one of the greatest injustices on earth today. And so, it, sure, it's no easy thing to spend seven years learning three languages, but this people group is worth it because Jesus is worth it. He is worth, he should receive the glory and the honor from these people. And so we take the time to learn the language, to live with them. And so this particular day, I had a short-term team that had joined me from my church in Kansas City. Now, we were riding bicycles at roughly 14 thousand feet in altitude that day all right so kansas city elevation 750 feet 14,000 feet is kind of high all right so we were riding our bicycles out to a village which i couldn't normally go to because it was so remote but i had these guys with me and so how many of you like to ride bicycles is that like a thing that people do wow that's pretty good okay so bicycles and rocks is that like a thumbs up or is that a thumbs down Oh, that one crazy guy over there thinks that's good, right? But bicycles and rocks are basically like a thumbs down thing, right? So we're riding our bicycles and we got a flat tire. And I said, it's okay, we can fix it. Well, I mean, I can't fix it, but that guy, he knew how to fix it. So anyway, he fixed it. And then we got our bike back on our bicycles and rode a little bit farther and we got another flat tire fixed it, got on our bicycles, rode a little bit farther, got another flat tire, and I said, we have nothing to fix this with. We're about 20 miles from where we started. And I said, I don't know what to do, let's pray. That should be just like one long hyphenated word in our vocabulary, I don't know what to do, let's pray. We should never do, I don't know what to do, like period, full stop. It should always be, I don't know what to do, let's pray. We don't let the fact that we don't know what to do or where we're going stop us. We take whatever steps we know about, and then we, when we get to the point where we don't know what to do next, then we pray. And so I said, I don't know what to do, let's pray. And we were on a road that was so remote that literally maybe nobody will come by today or tomorrow or the next day. That's how remote we are at this point. So I said, I don't know what to do, let's pray. And I don't remember like being particularly spirit-filled. I think it was just one of those Jesus help, help, yeah, we need some help kind of prayers, right? And so anyway, we stood there and this massive truck came by and he said, I'll take all six of you and your bicycles onto the next village. So that's great, except that we have a broken bicycle tire and we're now 30 miles from home, but we'll figure that out later. And so anyway, he took us to the next village where we wanted to be. And when we showed up in that village, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Because the spirit tree in that village was full of amulets and charms. Now, these guys are Muslim, but most of what you read in your textbooks about Muslims is not what the regular practice of a Muslim actually looks like. And so when they're having a problem with evil spirits, they try to get rid of those evil spirits by putting uh, sometimes a dead goat or a dead sheep or bits of hair or bits of the Quran or even ribbons in trees and when the spirit tree is full of stuff guess what they've got a problem and the spirit tree isn't solving it so that's going to be good news right when the spirit tree just has one thing in it you're like okay well maybe the evil spirit went away but when the spirit tree is full of amulets and charms you're like they need a solution they've got a problem and they need a solution 
Jesus is definitely the solution. Let's see how this goes here today. So we stood in front of this home, and the man came out and he greeted me, and he eventually said, you can speak my language. I said, yes, only 35,000 people speak this language. And he said, well, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from America. And he's like, oh, is that one of our villages in Tajikistan? I was like, no, I was like, I mean, maybe my pronunciation is super bad here, right? But I was like, no, I'm from, let me try it slower and louder. You know how you do that thing. Um, and he's like, oh, is that one of our Tajik villages over in Afghanistan? And I said, no. And then I named the, the president of the United States. I was like, I'm from America, where the president is, who shall remain nameless at this time. And so anyway, he said, wait a minute, you're from America, but you speak my language. How can that be? And I said, because when I lived in America, God told me about your people. He told me that he had a message that he wanted you to hear. And I thought it was worth it for me to do anything, including learn your language for you to hear that message. And he said what everybody always said, come on in. Come on in. When somebody has taken the time to learn the language, there's always a welcome mat at the front door. And so I walked in and we began to follow a process uh, of you know, talking with him and sharing the gospel with him. And they actually have this pole that is named after the prophet Jesus, but they don't know anything about Jesus. And I said, you have a pole named after this guy that you call prophet Jesus. What do you know about him? And they said, we don't know anything about him. I was like, nothing at all? They said, nothing. And I said, I know a lot about him. Can I tell you some stories about him? Now, I was telling the stories from memory because of the Bible translation that I had started in the seven boring years that I didn't tell you about, where I was doing, you know, the preparation work for this moment and so I told him a story and because he doesn't have a writing system I have to have the story from the Bible come out of my mouth so that it will then come out of his mouth and the next mouth and the next mouth and the next mouth and so I told him the story and then I said what do you think and he said yeah it's good I said would you like to go down the Jesus road that's how you say, would you like to follow Jesus? 99% of what there was to know about Jesus, he didn't know, but that didn't matter. If he felt Holy Spirit speaking to him, then I needed to let him come. If Holy Spirit is saying, come, then woe be it unto me to push the door and say, he cannot come. I said, would you like to come? Would you like to follow Jesus? And he said, yes, I would like to follow Jesus. I said, then just say, we would like to go down your road. And he said, Jesus, we would like to go down your road. And I said, now tell me about the problem that you're having with evil spirits. And he said, oh yeah. He said, our kids scream at night in terror. I've been in these villages. It's more than just a kid with a bad dream. It's child after child, night after night. And they have never yet in history had a solution to this problem because nobody has ever came and given them Jesus before. And so night after night, their kids scream. Have you ever held a child who's had a bad dream even once? And to think it happens night after night after night, there is intense brokenness and pain in the community. And I said, would you like to find a different solution to this problem of your kids screaming at night? And he said, okay, like, uh, like what's it going to cost? Do you, do you need to put spells on? Do you need to remove curses? Do you need me to get a goat? Do we need to sacrifice that? And I said, no, you don't need to do any of that stuff. And he said, okay, tell me what to do and you know I needed to tell him in one sense about his positional authority in Jesus Christ and now he's now sons and daughters of the king and I needed to teach them about binding and loosing in the name of Jesus but I didn't have time for all that and so I said look the next time the evil spirits come just say we belong to Jesus go away and I think I looked confident on the outside 
But inside, it's like, Jesus is better work, Jesus is better work, Jesus is better work. You said it would work, all right? You said it would work. And so he's like, wow, that's it? I said, yeah, that's it. And so we worked on that Jesus story together that he had learned. I think it was the story of Zacchaeus. And then that truck came by. Remember, we're 30 miles from where we need to be. And that truck said, I'll take you back the 30 miles to where you need to be. And I was like, okay, great, let's go. So I found my colleague. I told her what had gone on, and she took uh, the path in a car, not a bicycle. That was probably a lot smarter, um, to go out and meet these people. And as soon as she found that door and she knocked on it, opened the door, the guy saw a foreigner, and he said, it worked. It worked. He said, not only did we say we belong to Jesus, go away, and the evil spirits left, but then we remembered the story that we had learned from the Bible. And so we, and we remembered the challenge to go tell our neighbors that story. So we went and told our neighbors that story. We invited them to go down the Jesus road. And then they said, we belong to Jesus, go away, and it worked for them. And then they went to the next person, and the next person, and the next person. And they were literally armed with the story of Zacchaeus and one phrase and a first commitment to Jesus. That's all that they had. And then the gospel began to percolate through that people group. You see, there are many, many peoples on earth today that are like this people. They have a problem, and we have the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. But nobody has ever come along to offer them that solution before. And that is the immense joy and privilege of the goer, of the missionary, right? You might not be familiar with the term goer, but the scriptures say, you know, uh, what, let me think for just a second. Romans 10, 15 says, how can they go unless they are sent? So a goer is another term for a missionary. I want to back up and start to look at some scripture now. Let's put up the beginning of Psalm 46, 10. And I want to do, give you like a little pop quiz, see how, you know, your, your pastoral team is doing here. I'm teaching you the Bible. You know, put them on, on the hot seat here. No, seriously, you're fine. Um, so Psalm 46, 10. Be still. Finish the verse, please. Oh, that's good because we had at least five people out there who knew the entire verse. Let's bring up the next slide so you guys get a gold star here. This is usually as far as most people go, but actually this is Psalm 4610a. It's actually only the first half of the verse, but all too often people don't know that. Let's bring up the whole verse here. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, all too often we read the Bible and we put ourselves center stage and we get to the part that makes us happy. Be still and know that I am God. And we don't go on to the part where he's exalted, where he receives the glory, where he receives the honor, where he is meant to be exalted in the entire earth. But there is an end goal for our being still and knowing that he is God. And it's not just about my personal happiness. It's not just about me growing in Christ. Those things, I, I, I care about my personal happiness. Like, that's important to me. But that is not the complete end goal of my being still and knowing that he is God. There is a linkage because when we get close to the heart of God, eventually he's going to say to us, go. He may not say go 12 time zones away. He may say go to the cranky man at the cubicle next to yours at work. He may say go to the neighbor who you've been avoiding because you had a bad encounter with them. He may say go to the people who you're hanging out with at the soccer matches or I don't know, you probably do ice hockey or something like that around here. Yeah, but, but he'll send you somewhere because when we get close to his heart, 
we will feel his desire to be worshipped and exalted by all the peoples of the earth. Now, I don't know if you've thought about your Bible, if you can bring up the next slide, as 66 separate books. Now, I'm a trained Bible translator, and I actually think the Bible is just one of the most amazing books, well, actually, literally the most amazing book ever written. And I would love to, you know, tell you about the deep, amazing structure that the Lord has built into his Bible. But a lot of times we think of the Bible as being 66 separate books, and we don't understand what links them all together. But it's actually one author, with one point on every page of the entire Bible. And your Bible, I know it's gonna sound like English Class 101 for just a minute, so hang in there with me, but your Bible has an introduction, a body, and a conclusion, right? The three people who loved English were like, yay, I love this, why don't we do this every week, right? The rest of you are starting to fade out on me, just stick with me here for a minute. All right, the Bible has an introduction, it's Genesis 1 through 11. The body is everything in between, and the conclusion is Revelation 5.21. Let me show this to you quickly by running through three main verses of the Bible. So let's look at our first main verse. It's the one that identifies the introduction to the Bible. If you could go ahead and bring up Genesis 12. Genesis 12 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the thesis statement to the entire Bible. Do you guys sing that song about Father Abraham? Like Father Abraham and many sons. Yeah. Like three of you, like you, kids don't sing that song anymore. It's like the Christian version of the hokey pokey, right? We put one foot in, you put one foot out. All right. Well, anyway, the, the point is that we're all adopted into the father of Abraham. And there's a really fun song about it. I thought you had dancers who won contests at this church. But anyway, uh, but this is the big idea here. I think so many of us are sitting here. And we're like, bless me, Jesus, bless me, bless me, bless me. And our hands are so full of blessing that the Lord has no place to put any more blessing into our hands because we were designed to be receivers and then givers, receivers and then givers, receivers and givers. If we will give away some of the blessing of the Lord, then our hands will be empty enough to receive more new blessing. And we won't be stuck just trying to hang on and cling to old blessing. I'm just gonna tell you, test the Lord in this. You cannot outgive him. You cannot outgive him. If you take the blessings, he gives you and you give them away he will absolutely give us new ones because that was his promise right from the beginning that we are blessed to be a blessing and you know I get it we have a different emphasis we don't all necessarily reach out globally but this is who you were made to be that all the families of the earth will be blessed through us not only the families of West Bend not only the families of Wisconsin although certainly that I just want to say, woe be it unto us if we're not caring for our neighbor who's right next door to us. But that's not the end. It's all the families of the entire earth are to be blessed through us. So let's go. So that's your main thesis statement to the whole Bible. Let's go to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You're like, really? Well, I just, yes, we're going to read it again because we need to understand this great commission of Jesus. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the age. Jesus tells us that our major thing that we make is disciples. As we're going, we make disciples. Now, what you may not have realized is if you back up just a couple verses before this, Jesus is talking to the disciples on a mountaintop. And it says that some of them believed, but some of them were in doubt. And then the message says, undeterred. Jesus said to them. He saw their spiritual condition. He saw where they were. He knew that they weren't all completely mature in Christ, that they didn't have their act completely together, but that didn't scare Jesus off. He was undeterred. He saw their doubt. He saw their brokenness. He saw that they didn't half understand what he was saying to them, and he said, nevertheless, he's like, I haven't given all authority, which means I can do anything I want. I can send anybody I want, but I'm going to look at you, you who are still in doubt, and I'm going to be undeterred and I'm going to say you go and make disciples of all nations because it's in the process that we become mature in Christ. It's in the process that we go grow close to him. He's not waiting for us to be totally grown up before we begin making disciples. He's asking all of us to be disciples who make disciples. This is for everybody. And then finally, the end of the book, let's look at Revelation 21, one of the most amazing passages of all of scripture. It says this, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. This is where all of human history is headed, right here at this moment. And what I want you to notice is not only, of course, does the glory of God illuminate the city, but look at, and notice what else has glory. The kings of the world have glory. It says the nations have a glory. It's the exact same word in the Greek, actually, doxa. They have a glory, too, that's brought into God's eternal city because that is the culmination of all of human history when every tongue tribe and nation brings their glory, the glory that God has put in them and brings it back into God's eternal city. And you know what I think is going to happen on that day? That when that particular people group that I worked with in Western China walks into that city and I see their glory walking in and being handed over to God's glory, to being under God's glory, that people group is going to be special to me. And the people groups that you've invested in here, when they walk in, you're going to be like, look at them, look at them. I never got to meet them on earth. I never got to see them. I never got to take a trip. But I invested. I prayed. I cared for our missionaries. I was a part of that. I was a part of the church that did that. Look, our church was a part of that people group, and aren't they beautiful? And aren't they beautiful? So the people groups that we get the privilege and honor of investing in, even if we never meet them, I think we're going to stand up and notice them in a slightly different way when they walk into the kingdom. And you know what? I'm going to be excited to stand next to you when you get excited and you'll be like, that's one of our Kettlebrook people group. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. And the, and the church down the street, you see their people group coming in that they invested in. And it's going to actually be a beautiful, beautiful moment in all of human history. And I want you to be a part of that moment. I want to address two big misconceptions in the remaining time that I have left. And if you could bring up that next slide. The first one is about sending. 
A lot of times people hear, you know, the missionary talk and they're like, I have to go to the other side of the world to be obedient to Jesus. Well, yes, some of you do, actually, because the Lord is going to call you to go to the other side of the world, and that's going to be a beautiful thing. But he's not going to call everybody to go to the other side of the world because Romans 10.15 says this, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Look, it says right there, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Therefore, senders have a high and lofty calling in Jesus Christ. If the Lord has called you to be a sender, then you need to train it, you need to own it, you need to do it for all that you're worth. Now, I'm going to talk more about this this afternoon, and we'll be finished in time for you to watch the football game, so don't worry about that. So go ahead and come this afternoon, and we're going to dig into that more. But most people think, oh, yeah, I'm a sender. I can either give money or I can pray. Yes, those are two important things that you can do out of literally dozens of important things that you can do as a sender. So we're going to dig into that more this afternoon, so come and hear about, come hear about that then. The next big conception I want to talk about is that I can't do this. And, and the I can't do this may, you may think, I can't go to that guy at the cranky, you know, the cranky guy at the cubicle next door. I can't go to my neighbors. I can't, you know, help Afghan refugees to get resettled here in our city. I can't go pray. Well, let me tell you a little conversation that I had with the Lord at one point. So I, I think that this isn't heretical or else I wouldn't share it publicly. Um, but I was having a conversation with the Lord one day, and I was like, Jesus, I'm sorry, but your whole, like, Great Commission system is, like, pretty inefficient. I I'm just really not sure that it's a great idea, because, like, here's you, God, and then over here is, like, this person or this people group who needs to hear about you, and you have unwisely put me in the middle of this. And me, that's a bad idea because I get scared, I get disobedient, I don't hear his voice, I mess up all the time, right? So Jesus, it's just not a very good system. I would suggest that actually you just directly go and strike them with lightning or do whatever you need to do, but do whatever you need to do to get me out of the picture. I think that'd be a good deal for you. And he said to me what he says about a dozen times a day, ever so kindly, oh, my daughter, you don't understand. I mean, isn't he just so sweet when he's being kind about explaining to us like basically how dumb we are right he's like oh my daughter you don't understand and he's so kind and gentle about it and he said the kingdom of heaven is like christmas cookie baking so this is you know it's not in the pages of scripture all right but this is the analogy that he gave me now i'm thinking of christmas cookie baking when i was a kid growing up in the 70s before like we knew sugar was bad for you right like when you could eat unlimited amounts of sugar, uh, you got out everything and you put it on the counter. You know, mom would get out the flour and the eggs and the milk and like the chocolate chips. And at our house, it was like the one time of the year there was rum in the house because mom was going to make rum balls, right? And that was like super exciting. And so moms get all of these things out and she lays them on the counter. And then in comes little me. So little me looks up at mom getting ready to bake those cookies. And what does the little one say? Mommy, can I help? That's right. And now moms are not always a perfect reflection of the heart of Jesus, right? I get that. <laughs> but on a good day, moms look at the little girl and they say, sure, honey, you can help. 
Now, inside they're thinking, oh no, the cookies are going to be horrible. They're, you know, I have to control this environment. The dog is going to get dirty. The ceiling is going to get dirty. There's going to be baths for everybody by the time this is all done. And our cookies aren't going to look as good as they would normally look. But on a good day, moms say yes to their daughters, I think, for two reasons. The first one is moms just enjoy their daughters. And if you think that God loves you, but you're not sure that he enjoys you, then that's something you need to pray about. Because not only does he love you, he enjoys you. And he enjoys being with you. And so I think that's the first reason that moms say yes. And I think the second reason moms say yes is because they want the daughter to be just like them when they grow up. They want that daughter to be able to go and make cookies for her family someday and bless her family someday. And by the way, this still works if you're a guy. I know some guys are better at baking than women, actually, but I'm a girl, so you get a girl's viewpoint. And so, you know... Basically, the mom says, okay, honey, you can help. And moms are smart, right? They're not going to let the daughter just do anything. They're going to give her like 1% of the baking task to do. And then mom is going to like totally control even that 1%. Let me put my hands around your hands. Let me crack the eggs and put them in a bowl. And then I'll help you put the eggs in, right? Here, you can stir this, but no, not with the electric beater. No, that would be bad. Here, just pretend to stir for a few minutes, right? So, so moms are super smart about this. And then when they finally finish all all the baking and they put it all, all out on the table and then dad comes home and you know what the mother says honey husband do you see the cookies our daughter made mom did 99% of that baking but it doesn't matter mom's filled with joy and pride dad's filled with joy and pride and that's exactly what sharing Jesus is like God does 99% of the work. He knows that we make it slower for him. He knows that we mess it up. He knows that we actually make it harder and that maybe the outcome is messier, but it doesn't matter because he enjoys doing stuff with us and he wants us to be transformed into his character and his nature. And guess what he makes? He makes disciples. He makes disciples. And so he wants to teach us how to make disciples. And this is the part that's absolutely critical to understand here today, that I don't want you to leave here today with one more duty or obligation on your plate. That is not the heart of what we're talking about here. I want you to understand that there is an immense privilege of participation. Participating alongside a loving and kind Heavenly Father who could do this faster and better without us, but because He loves us, He chooses to include us. He chooses to let us participate with Him and to grow up to be just like Him and to have that immense privilege. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of leading somebody into the kingdom for the very first time, but I'll tell you, if you do it once, you want to do it again, and you want to do it again, and you want to do it again, because literally the scriptures say a party breaks out in heaven. That's what it says. It says the angels dance. And you're going to touch a part of the kingdom of God that you don't touch at any other time except when you lead somebody into the kingdom for the very first time. And there's an, a joy and an honor and a privilege that I want all of us to have the opportunity to touch. And so as we leave here today, as we wrap up, I want to make sure that you all know that there is an opportunity to go out here and gather some of the prayer cards for your different missionaries that you have. Um, please sign up for their newsletters. Please respond to their newsletters when you receive them. When you receive missionary newsletters, just click reply and say, I read it, I prayed. Then they'll know that they're not forgotten. 
on the other end. So sign up for those. You can learn more about the entirety of the Bible and God's heart for the nations by taking perspectives starting January. Is that when you're going to start again? So please come out and find out about that as well. And so I don't know exactly how you all do this transition into the discussion time. Is that what's next? All right. Do I? Sure, I'll do that. So, yeah, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you are so beautiful and so kind and so amazing. May your name be made great here in every nook and cranny and corner of this city, in every club, in every Boy Scout, in every Girl Scout, in every soccer team, in every hockey team, in every household. May your name be made great. And Lord, we bring to you today uh, a reminder of the one-third of the world who has yet to say, I love Jesus. All they can say so far is, who is Jesus? And I pray, Lord, that we could have the privilege of participating to change that because you're worthy of the glory and honor of those people groups. So, Lord, speak to us today in ways that we can understand and then give us courage to be able to do the things that you ask us to do because we know Acts 1.8 says that the power of the Holy Spirit is for witnessing. And so we pray, Lord, that you will give us that power of the Holy Spirit today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pam. Can we praise the Lord for your mess for what you shared? Thank you. Uh, Pam's going to head down to Jackson and share with our family there. Uh, what we're doing, we're going to do at this time is what we've been doing uh, ever since we've learned from COVID is we're going to turn and talk at this point. And Pam has a number of questions. If you're new or visiting, the reason that we do this is because we want to try to engage with what we just heard right, right now so we don't forget, so we can start to process through and take these things and apply them in our lives right now. If you see someone sitting by themselves, we call ourselves a family for a reason. That we don't, it means we don't want anyone to sit by themselves. So make sure that you go and, and include them into this conversation we're going to have for about four or five minutes, and then we're going to come back and, and engage in some more music worship. So let's turn and talk about these questions. Go ahead.
All right, thank you so much for these amazing conversations. Always hate to interrupt. Um, thank you again to Pam for this wonderful message and um, for being a blessing to us today. If you'd stand with me, I'm going to respond with some songs. Praise our Lord. Pray that he would give us our hearts for all people and all nations.
Give us your heart.
seeking and always reaching, reaching out to us, Lord. You never give up on us. Lord, I pray that you would give us your heart, that you would break our hearts for what break yours. I pray that you would present us with these situations that may get us out of our comfort zone for you, Lord. Situations where we're able to meet those from different backgrounds, upbringings, beliefs, put ourselves in their shoes, and just allow us to welcome them and to show them your amazing love and to share that sweet, freeing news of the gospel. Lord, today we lift in prayer our REACH Global Partners, Dave and Rebecca. You have watched over and provided for them for the past 23 years as they've lived in Southeast Asia and worked with Muslims. We praise you for their faith, their perseverance, their passion, for sharing your salvation with them. And we pray that you would continue to bless their ministry as they are now doing the same thing in Chicago, as well as overseeing church planting movements in Southeast Asia. We pray your blessings over their newly opened Welcome Center in Chicago, that it would be a place where immigrants and refugees can gather for language learning, community events, and that that would lead them to the gospel being shared to them. Lord, in Leviticus, you told your chosen people that when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do, not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. So, 
Lord, I pray that you would continue to use Dave and Rebecca and they're part of the world now as they use their feet to be welcoming, compassionate, and bring the good news. And may we be encouraged and led to do the same in our local communities. Let our praise for you ever be on our lips. In Jesus' name, amen.
and I get to lead our REACH Global team. And so I just wanted to remind you that after this, as the service comes to, the clo- to a close, our prayer team is always available and loves to pray for you for anything. Um, it will be actually, they're not coming forward, sorry. It's near the prayer room in the back. Um, some uh, details for today. Pam's seminar is going to be at noon for about an hour and a half on sending. It's going to be very interactive. So if you'd like to come back, please come back at noon. Um, from noon to 1.30. And um, the things that Pam noted, if you go back, we have some tables set up in the back where you can grab prayer cards for our partners. Pam's information is back there. Uh, I would encourage you to think about the perspectives class, which will be here Wednesday night starting in January. Our class site is actually live on perspectives.org. But we'll be talking lots more about that um, in the coming months. Uh, Some of you might be feeling, many of you might be feeling like, how would I ever end up on the Chinese-Afghan border riding a bike into the village? Well, the really cool thing is that God decided to bring some of those Afghans here. And um, you probably know, probably are aware that we are on the verge of resettling three families into West Bend. And so what can you do if you're not involved in that already? Be really kind to them when you see them. You will know the women. They will be covered. Um, welcome them. If anyone has rental properties, Northbrook Church is also going to be bringing in Afghan families and settling them in West Bend so that they can be near our families, but we need more rental properties for them. So just a little, sorry, Troy, thought I'd throw that in there. Um, So one more thing before I go, actually two more things. Some of you might feel like, gosh darn it, I never get to go on a short-term team, and especially with COVID. Well, there's a great opportunity right now at Fort McCoy that's going to go on probably for a number of months. Someone from our church actually just got back from there. You can go there for a week and hang out with Afghans. Um, If you're interested, maybe put your name on one of those sheets in the back, and I'll contact you how to do that. No prep. It's like the best short-term team ever. You don't have to go through any of the preparation. You can just go. Finally, um, does anybody remember March of 2020, like something happened? The world shut down. Um, Just as that was happening, we had a team that had been preparing for months to go to Columbia. Do we have a picture of them? Okay. (laughs) a little disjointed. We had a a team twice this size that was going to go to Columbia to work with Tom and Jen Atwater and serve them. Um, They were on the verge of leaving when the whole world shut down. And so after, I believe, four tries of getting back there, they are actually leaving this week. Um, They'll be going there for about nine or ten days. Um, This is what's left of the team because a lot of the students are now off at college. So I would just like to pray for them and then um, give our benediction. So please pray with me. 
Father, we lift up to you this team that is leaving for Columbia this week on the 11th. We know, uh, first of all, that many of them are moms who are leaving at home a lot of kids um, with husbands who work full-time. And so we pray for those families that things would go smoothly in the mom's absence, um, that just that everything would work out all right back at home. We pray for our team as they go. We pray for all those details that COVID tests wouldn't mess up anything now that they've gotten this far. We pray that you would help them love and serve Tom and Jen Atwater in Columbia and the ministry that they have going on there with vulnerable kids and families. We pray that you will break their hearts for the things that break your heart. We pray that you will change them, all of them, that they will come back with a renewed idea of how you want to use them. And Father, I pray for all of us today that you will show us how can we how can we respond to that voice in our heart as we get close to you that says go? What does that look like for each of us? I pray that you will just lead us along the path that you want us to go on for your great glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Hey everyone, Troy and Ryan here. I want to say thank you so much for gathering with us virtually. We pray that Jesus Christ was lifted up and exalted not only in the space that we are in here, but in the space that you were at as well. Hey, and want to let you know too, if you're viewing us and uh, joining us online outside of our local community, uh, this in no way is meant to replace that local leadership, that local involvement at that church where you are locally. We pray that it would uh, supplement it and encourage you to engage more deeply. And if you're part of the Kettlebrook family but have been watching online, uh, of course you know that you are a gift and a blessing to the body here. So we want to make sure you're plugged into a group. If you're not part of a group, please reach out to us and let us know at info at kettlebrook.org. Thanks so much again for watching this. God bless. God bless.